Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Welcome to Thought Leadership Studio, episode 29, interview with Andrew Miller of True North Advisory. Translate your ideas into their full business impact and round out your go-to-market approach with the wisdom of consultant Andrew Miller. So what this episode will do for you is help you gain insight in how to harvest innovative ideas into full business impact. It'll help you learn strategies for finding alignment with market opportunities because as thought leaders, we come up with innovative ideas, new thinking, but then the challenge is how to round it out. So this will help you also discover a process like True North Advisory uses for identifying blind spots in taking a vision to full entrepreneurial venture to better ensure your success and to better balance the visionary entrepreneurial mindset with all the other strengths necessary for a successful business. So our guest today is a high power business consultant, a global CEO and corporate director in the technology sector. Andy Miller has more than two decades of experience in public PE owned and venture backed companies. And he's best known for leading aggressive growth and building profitability in fast paced industry leading companies, including Broadsoft, Polycom, IPC, Tandberg, and Cisco. As a senior operating executive, Andy excelled in focusing on strategic growth areas, leading global expansion and driving improved profitability. As a director, he's collaborated on two very successful IPOs in the enterprise communication space at Broadsoft and Gigamond. In addition to guest lecturing at UCLA, USC, and Stanford, Andy has spoken at the World Economic Forum in Davos and has given keynote addresses at Broadsoft's Connections User Group, the Aspen Ideas Festival, and Unified Communications Next Generation Conference. Andy has also served on the board of directors for Broadsoft, Gigamon, Bridgepoint, Polycom, and Informatica. And Andy's currently a partner at True North Advisory, which is a premier trusted advisor to the enterprise and service provider B2B industry, providing bespoke high-impact advice combined with tailored senior-level access. So we'll jump into this insightful interview in just a minute. Now, in case you're new here, welcome to Thought Leadership Studio. What is this podcast about? Well, to answer that, you've got to answer when is thought leadership needed? And this requires investigating a little bit into 
the sayings, give the people what they want, and the customer is always right. Well, thought leadership is needed when there's an audience who wants a benefit that you can provide, but they limit the benefit by how they think you or your organization should give it to them through your leadership, through your product, through your service. But your expertise knows a different way that's not necessarily what they expect. So by strategically leading an audience to embrace your new way, which I call your thought leadership position, you can build loyalty, engagement, follower growth, increased sales, and market share. And using the internet for this thought leadership separates your content from the, what you might call the fluff, the copycat content that gets drowned out in the crowd of similar voices. So instead of being lost in the herd, your message gets heard. And having the skills to do it well means you can draw from your creative inspiration to develop a powerful, unique message and a voice that's seen as distinctive, that resonates with your prospects and that moves people to positive action and results. So Thought Leadership Studio is not just a podcast, it's an imaginary place where leading minds go to design their strategic thought leadership, the best and brightest. So we like to feature the best and brightest models of excellence. Thought Leadership Studio. So I'm Chris McNeil, host of Thought Leadership Studio, and I'm sitting with Andrew Miller, Andy Miller, um, partner with True North Advisory. How you doing, Andy? Good, doing good today. It's a little earlier out here than it is where you are, but only by three hours. So starting off the morning, it's a beautiful, crisp fall morning here in Marin. So doing great. Excellent, excellent. Yes, yeah, about 73 degrees here in Charleston right now, and that's prime temperature for me. We get a little more humidity than you do there. It's a nice temperature. Um, so maybe we can start um, by telling us a little bit about what you do at True North Advisory uh, to help businesses, help startups, entrepreneurs, whatever type of business you normally focus on. Well, True North um, Advisory is a boutique consulting firm, advisory firm, and we help customers, clients that are typically entrepreneurs or early stage and we focus on a specific space in the technology area, which is um, customer experience. That's kind of our, our niche, and that's where we were kind of all birthed in terms of our technology and, and, and early days with inside the industry. And that's our, our focus today, help entrepreneurs, early adopters in the CX space with anything from go-to-market to board advisory to financing approaches to strategy, product introductions, kind of at all in terms of a 360 approach. Excellent. I mean, um, certainly customer experience is huge these days. So thinking about our listeners who are 
looking to advance their own thought leadership, which is often, but not always based on a product or service innovation. What do you look for in terms of companies to work with in innovation and what do you have to offer there? Typically, most of our customers have been, um, you know, birthed a solution that was either uh, differentiated or greenfield in the marketplace. So innovation that was not necessarily um, a copycat of a current piece of technology solution, but something that was um, innovative and disruptive. So it could be in the in the um, CX space, it could be something in the contact center, it could be something in collaboration, it could be something in network communication, something that satisfies um, a need in the marketplace that hasn't really been um, invented or brought to market yet. So we're, we look for those clients that have that disruptive, innovative, um, sometimes it's a diamond in the rough, it's a piece of technology that needs to be um, productized, it needs to go to market strategy, it needs a, um, a selling strategy in terms of direct, indirect. But that's really what we focus on. That's where a majority of our clients are today. So you're looking for clients that have an innovation and they're, they're meeting an unmet need and you're helping them mature their business and get well-rounded with that um, is my understanding. And so with niche opportunities and, and gaining these kinds of market insights, what, what makes a good market insight? Can you maybe give an example? I know you probably can't reveal but so much about clients, but if there's a way to do it in a general way that respects confidentiality, I'd love to hear a story about an innovation that was discovered that was something that was right for communication to a marketplace. Well, there are a number of examples. We have we have um, many clients. Each one of them particularly plays into a particular vertical market. We have a client that participates in the financial services market that um, right now in the financial services market, there's quite a bit of um, work by the Security Exchange Commission around collaboration and communication on mobile devices um, where traders are using both their personal phone and work phone. They could be using a different type of medium such as WhatsApp and others to message. And so that that uh, provides an opportunity for disruptive technology to come in to be able to provide you know, governance around the type of communication. So that's you know one example that was created by the market, but a smart entrepreneur would be able to solve that problem. Uh, another one of our clients provides um, testing for a whole host of communications devices and has realized that there's a super um, return on investment opportunity in terms of outsourcing this type of testing and methodology that will really focus on uh, advancement of revenue by the particular clients. So, you know, you could go back to financial services, to retail, to the federal marketplace. In each one of those is an opportunity for disruption. And that's most of our clients, I would say, are technologists in the, you know, rather than go-to-market experts. And what we really help them do is put the wrapping around that in terms of the go-to-market aspect, the strategy aspect, how to fundraise and, and move the company forward. Excellent. So the your typical client will have an idea. They'll they'll have perceived, they'll have some insight into a potential breakthrough 
that is can be disruptive and you're helping them check all the boxes so that they have a well-rounded organization that's properly funded and that has all the functions in place to harvest these ideas. Correct. And some, some are, you know, you know, early entrepreneurs where there's no product revenue yet, where they're just very, very early adopters. Some clients are 10, $50 million where they've had a product. They've, um, they brought it to a particular vertical market. You know, one of the big challenges is, um, they, they let's pick a vertical market retail where someone comes up with an innovative idea to satisfy a retail solution. There's only so much total addressable market within that vertical. So then the next challenge is what's the next vertical to participate in? Is it a, is it federal? Is it state and local? Is it financial services? Is it health? And, or do they go to different geographic areas such as EMEA or Asia Pacific? So, our focus is really, you know, how do you take that product and productize it for that in the subsequent verticals that they are focused on? And typically a product innovator, early adopter, entrepreneur doesn't have that, you know, background able to decipher that particular strategy. So at True North, we have five partners. All of us have either been uh, chief technology officers or CEOs of uh, significant size, uh, both private and public companies. So we've all done this before. We've, we're, we're, we're old enough now to have um, a few companies and a few transactions under our belt. So we're operators, we've done this. It's not a, um, it's not a hypothetical or textbook um, scenario. It's, it's real operators working with entrepreneurs to be able to grow their companies. And that's, that's one of the things that made me want to talk to you and Evan Kerstell put us together because it just made me think, now we're helping entrepreneurs and business leaders, solopreneurs, influencers, salespeople, marketers, polish their message for innovation, to have a disruptive message. And that, and that might be the case even if their product or service is not necessarily as direct disruptive, but they can have a way of reframing its use or bringing it to a higher purpose that they would lead the marketplace to. But what happens, of course, is, is people start to get a response from the marketplace to this kind of message. They have growth potential and they're going to have blind spots. They're going to limit them. And my understanding is what you do at True North Advisory is you point out these blind spots and help them fill it in. Well, we, we have a kind of a framework with different swim lanes. You know, one of it is a, a messaging or marketing framework where we actually help with the messaging to that particular vertical or that particular geography. You know, what, what does the product do? How does it solve a need? What is the use case? Um, how does it translate to be, you know, accepted by the particular clients? So there's a whole messaging framework around the product side of the the product side and then the go-to-market side of the elements so you're right there there's the the swim lane around marketing and messaging the sw a swim lane around go-to-market there's a swim lane around productization there's a swim lane around how do you obtain financing there's a swim lane around how do you provide corporate governance as you as you grow so we provide all of those swim lanes um but to each entrepreneur has a um, 
particular challenge for a particular swim lane. Some need more help in terms of um, the messaging aspect. Some need more help on productization. Some need more help on go-to-market sales. So we kind of prioritize what's the most important to the particular client and then focus in that area. So what's what's your initial interface like? And what I'm thinking is, in the, in the mind of the listener. So if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking about your own situation and how you can apply this. And Andy, I'm wondering what what kind of quick punch list or checklist, if you had a short meeting with an entrepreneur to kind of go through and ask them, do you have this in place? Do you have this in place to kind of identify blind spots to expanding their vision? What, what would that look like? That's a great question. We have we have what we call a, an initial discovery call with the client, where all five partners participate because each one of us has a, a you know a, a certain background, whether it's product sales, go to market strategy, um, and we have the customer prepare uh, a short deck, and it's basically a framework of you know where they are in the current business state. So where is the product readiness? What have they done in terms of messaging? How are they financed? Um, do they have an initial customer? Um, if they particular, if it's a particular vertical like retail, are they PCI compliant? If they're uh, federal, do they have FedRAMP or SOC2? There's a, you know, really a checklist in terms of where they are and where the gaps are. And then we use that discovery call to create a statement of work where we work with the client and really prioritize, you know, what's what's the burning issue today, and let's figure out how we, you know, put together our phases over um, the particular months in terms of what has to be achieved, and that's how we kind of start the uh, initial process. Do you find uh, many of your prospects or customers are surprised at what they don't know? Oh, very much. It's sometimes it's, it's shocking. <laughs> um, you know, they, they think they know, but they haven't really thought through um, some of the, you know, the, the, I'll give you a good example. We have a client now who really wants to move into the federal market space. There's a $6.2 billion addressable market in FY22. There's a lot of money in the federal market space, but there's a whole host of requirements that requires significant investments to participate in that space around certifications, uh, SCIF labs, separate organizations, um, security provisioning, et cetera. So they sometimes take a step back and say, wow, I didn't realize it would be that much of an endeavor to participate in that particular market. Or um, I really hadn't thought through the um, collaboration testing we have to do with uh, the other partners in the ecosystem to be able to participate in a particular RFI. So uh, I would say most calls, there's a, you know eyes wide open and um, more work to do than they expected when we get off. That makes sense. And, and one archetype that I've noticed and I'm familiar with, and I think a lot of our listeners will relate to is the visionary big picture entrepreneur that probably needs to be partner with somebody who's more detail-oriented, conservative, well-versed in financial controls that can kind of be the 
holder of the kite strings of the entrepreneur who wants to move forward a thousand miles an hour, but maybe hasn't considered all of the things that need to be handled moving forward. And I think probably because we're talking about visionary type communication on this podcast, I would guess most of our listeners fall into the visionary entrepreneur category as opposed to the um, more detail-oriented, management-oriented um, controller personality. Does that make sense? It does. They, they, those personalities seem to, um, you know, they move in as the company gets bigger. Once they get to, you know, 50, 100 million, it becomes, you know, then the choices um, has a scale above the entrepreneur's or founder's capability. And is that person better suited to be a CTO, a, a co-founder, you know, non-executive board member, it, it, it's all over the map. But um, in the early days, um, we find that um, we act sometimes as therapists and sometimes as, <laughs> uh, you know, um, you know, kind of as a, a extended board in terms of helping them navigate through literally daily or weekly um, opportunities or crises. And what we found now in a more challenging fundraising environment is that takes up a lot of time for the entrepreneur uh, meeting with, whether it's venture capital or private equity, raising money to kind of, you know, allow them the runway they need. So there's just a lot of twists and turns. And we have weekly check-ins with the partners and with the client. We have quarterly um, re strategy reviews. So we have a pretty... Um, we're pretty intimate relationship with the client. That's really interesting. So what about your, your own experience and what brought you to this position at True North? Can you tell us a little bit about what, what your own vision is and, and how it, you know, what you're doing taps into your own personal mission? Well, we all kind of came together. I mean, we, we've, um, the, the five of us have known each other now for 25 years. Um, That's awesome. I was the CEO of a company called Tanberg, which was a video conferencing company based in Norway that was ultimately sold to Cisco. And then was the CEO of Polycom. Um, it turned out that we were a large partner of a company called Broadsoft, which was a Gaithersburg, Maryland based um, unified communication as a service um, player, which also was sold to uh, Cisco for um, about $2 billion in 2017. So the, the CEO of Broadsoft, the CTO of Broadsoft, the CFO of Broadsoft, um, and the head of sales from Broadsoft, all, we all knew each other. I was actually on the board of Broadsoft. We were partners. We crossed paths at, whether it's board meeting, industry events. And once our companies were, were sold, um, we decided it wouldn't be fun to kind of get the band back together and form a partnership where we could have a little bit more work-life balance than you know, traveling the world, running a company, but also kind of give back a lot of the experience we've had in our 30 years of, of running companies uh, and provide that type of experience back to an entrepreneur. And um, that's kind of how we all came together. And it's, um, it's been quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of fun. 
Well, that's interesting. And, and, you know, that actually relates to a segment of our listeners. I didn't mention, I should have consultants and you, and you're doing it. You're living the dream. And well, we, we actually, you know, we feel that we're very different than, uh, you know, I won't mention names of, you know, large industry consultants in our space. Um, you know, many of them are, you know, have, uh, great pedigrees and, and, um, in terms of, um, universities and, and, and education as consultants, but very few, hardly if any, have five former CXOs who each specialize in a particular area. Um, for example, uh, Dino De Palma, one of the partners, has a vast experience in the service provider market as the former co-founder of Acme Packet. Um, Mike is probably um, the best product evangelist and strategy expert. Um, Scott Hoffpower is a chief technology officer who probably is renowned in the space in terms of his um, both product and technical um, understanding and proudness. And Jim Tolan is um, the former CFO of Broadsoft on multiple boards, so has a, a just a vast background in the financial, uh, you know financial segments. So the ability for all five of us to kind of put together what we do best provides us a completely differentiated approach than most consultancy companies. Well, and you're, you're providing an excellent model of the balanced team concept that of what I'm hearing and seeing that's something you promote your customers as well. We have on the discovery. So on the initial focus, there are five of us involved and we kind of get the, we kind of feel out the client in terms of, you know, what is the specific need? So for an example, if it was go to market in terms of, you know, direct sale or channel or strategic partnership, myself and Dina would probably take the lead and we would then evolve kind of as the, as the lead from true North to that customer throughout the process. But we always have the opportunity to bring in Mike, Scott, Jim, depending upon the particular needs. So we kind of feel out the client in terms of who, personality and background matches and then we go forward from there but all five are are available throughout the engagement so what is your criteria for a successful client project how do you know that you've helped a client achieve a higher level of success and i'm asking from the perspective of our listeners who might be in some consulting role themselves whether it's just a solo consulting practice which is like what I do in my specific mm -hmm. niche. So I, I look for people who are consultants in other areas when there's a project that requires other expertise or for people that have firms or people that might not necessarily consult for businesses looking for a growth vector, but in other areas. Um, but what's your success criteria? How do you know that you've had the impact you want to have? Most of our engagements are, are on a yearly basis and then renewed. So we're we're not... You know, we're not doing short-term um, three-month project for a particular um, endeavor. So we create a statement of work and we create a set of objectives upfront um, that we review on a quarterly basis. They could be, we want to um, grow our revenue by X percent. It could be, we want to move into a particular vertical in a particular time frame. We want to move into a particular geography in a particular time frame. We want to launch X number of new products. We want to gain traction at X number of specific clients. So each one is different, but we have a clear statement of work. We have a clear deliverable. We have a clear expectation. 
And frankly, we go back and we measure that on a quarterly basis in terms of are we, you know, are we on off or right in the middle uh, in terms of those achievements? And if not, we go back and retweak the the uh, the focus area. Well, how much is that coming from the client coming in and saying, I want to hire your group to help me achieve X? How much of it is coming from you and your group at True North? identifying opportunities the client might not have seen because of their blind spots. How much is something you just kind of negotiate to get something just more clear and tangible around the direction that the client wants to move in that you work out with the client that way? Well, some are clear cut. Some are, we have a, a we're working with a, a client now that has very clear expectations in terms of, they want to enter a particular market and they have a clear expectation in terms of revenue growth, net new number of new clients and net new number of channels. So very, very clear. Uh, a little bit larger companies, they have some more girth around that. Um, but I think most of them are done um, in tandem. They may have, they may have, many entrepreneurs have expectations that we feel are, you know, not realistic in terms of, um, uh, it always takes twice as long. It takes twice as much money to do something these days. So, yeah, the, the whole expectation management piece is kind of where I'm going with this. Right. So you know, we'll, we'll say, well, that you know, um, that's a little bit too aggressive. Uh, we think that maybe instead of approaching five verticals, you should approach three verticals. We think in terms of trying to uh, sell through five strategic partners, you can only you really only have the ability to sell through three. So you know, we do quite a bit of. Um, I'm not going to say downsizing, but realistic expectations um, versus um, uh, maybe a, a dream that has too much um, uh, fizz in it that, that ultimately would set up to be a, um, a disappointment. Sure, sure. Well, maybe, take, maybe taking a dream and making it a realistic target, like how close can you realistically get to this given the resources at hand? Yes. The next year, you look at a year and then you, then you kind of review on a quarterly basis. Is that right? That's correct. So tell us a motivating story about a success story, as much as you can share without divulging any confidentiality, of course, of a real breakthrough and when your clients had. We have we've had some, you know, some pretty amazing um, outcomes. I mean, some of them have been where the companies have actually um, been sold, where the client feels that they're better off being part of a bigger company than going forward standalone. So there's always a um, element of a transaction uh, that is you know mutually satisfying. We have a number of clients that have um, really achieved um, some significant revenue growth um, once we entered the picture. Um, one of the things I didn't talk about that we that we spend a lot of time on is introductions. So to give an example, we have a, a client now where we've introduced them to the executive team at Microsoft. We've introduced them to five chief technology officers at the five largest largest banks in North America. We've introduced them to particular service providers at the executive level. Now, these are things that typically an entrepreneur would never be able to get to in terms of that type of, um, you know, uh, either a sponsorship or, or particular client. So we've had some great successes with um, you know, overachievement and revenue growth, 
but more so just kind of plugging them into the right type of um, clients and partner opportunities where they're now set up to have significant um, um, expansion opportunities. Excellent. Excellent. So the introductions are a big piece of it. Obviously, your net net worth is your network or your network is your net worth, whichever way that goes. Exactly. We've also done, I think probably maybe the last example would be there's, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of examples, but we, we've done really good work with a particular company in terms of helping them with the um, recruiting of talent aspect. You know, we're not recruiters and, and um, but recruiters are expensive. And um, through our network, we've been able to place some great people in roles where they've avoided having to pay, you know, one year salary up front. So whether it's, you know, whether it's a, a client, whether it's a partner introduction, whether it's actually, um, you know, um, personnel that, that we introduce to them that they ultimately hire, you know, those are all, I'm not gonna say extra credit, but those are things that come with a Rolodex that in a traditional consulting firm that would just, that would just never happen. Well, and everybody's of course looking for that breakthrough and, what about hitting a little really close to the core of what we're all about at Thought Leadership Studio, market communication? How do you help an innovative company communicate their innovation? How do you help a company stand out with their message? Yeah. So we have, we have um, what's called a marketing framework um, kind of doctrine where it's um, we, we start with um, what is the use case and, and what is the use case that a client would actually be able to um, understand? And many of these products are very, many of these entrepreneurs are very technical in nature. It does you know, X, Y, Z in terms of from a technology perspective, but they find it difficult to be able to translate that into a particular use case in terms of what problem needs to be solved. Uh, so asking from the customer's perspective, so what does this mean to me? Right. What does it mean to them and, and how do you tailor it to a particular vertical? Because whether it's health sciences or retail or federal or transportation, you know, each one of those verticals requires different, you know, verbiage and nomenclature in terms of uh, they each have their own acronyms, they each have their own specific needs, they each have their own specific use cases. And those messages have to be tailored for those particular clients in a way that they understand um, why is this why is this needed? Why is it different? Why is it better than the competition? And we kind of we, we work through this messaging template and help them be able to um, put together a marketing and messaging program basically without having to hire uh, an agency that helps them position that product um, such that and it could be um, could be a website. It could be um, an investor deck. It could be uh, a one-page product um, sheet. Okay. So, so part of when you say there's a there's a template and a process is identifying media that may not exist that needs to exist to match up with a specific vertical in particular, or it could be generally. Exactly. And. And what are, what are some other takeaways in terms of message development? Um, something specific that a listener could get some value out of 
um, that would help them think about their own situation and, hey, what have I got in place? Is it meeting all the different potential markets or audiences or verticals I could bring my message to or bring my product or service to? I mean, we we have a number of clients that have come to us and they, they provide us, you know, a 10-page white paper of what the product does. And, you know, most end user clients, they want something very simple, very um, clear to understand, less about the technology and more about how it solves the particular customer problem. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we yeah. find ourselves taking, um, because most of our entrepreneurs are technologists and not marketeers, how do we take what they have today and turn that into the proper use case, the, pop, the proper um, the segmentation that they're focused on, the, the proper nomenclature for that particular vertical, make it clear, you know, in a very um, succinct manner. Typically, you get 30 seconds with the customer to talk about, you know, what your product is or why it's a different. Sure. And 10 page white papers don't cut it. They, they, they cut it in particular if you're selling to a, uh, CTO or a particular federal agency where they really need that, that that white paper, that's one thing. But for the enterprise market or the service provider market, they really want, what's the story? And we help them create a storyboard around that. Excellent. Excellent. So more like an infographic, less like a detailed white paper. Yes. And, and find it, you find it making the story visual, the story of this, how the product or service solves the problem is a big part of that? It's a big part of it. We have we have a client now that that was trying to position their product as completely return on investment. That if you outsource this particular technology to us, you'll save X Y Z dollars. And we went back and said that doesn't really work. What what you really need to do is talk about that if if they use your technology, you can actually drive. You can shorten their their cycle in terms of revenue generation. You can actually help them accelerate revenue much faster by not having to incur the cost of this particular technology, outsource it to you, and help them put that money back in to drive revenue opportunities in other areas. So, oh, sense you know, of relief from not wasting resources. Well, each one is different, but but this particular point was. Uh, it was a little old school thinking in terms of just return on investment. And we really twisted that in terms of how to tell a story that not only would resonate, but be more receptive in terms of creating, you know, a much, a much more significant opportunity for the end user client. It, you know, the stories around each client around how we come back in. And um, I would tell you that the messaging that we ultimately come up with is completely different than that of what typically the entrepreneur brought to us. Excellent, excellent. And it sounds like you understand that people buy based on emotions, even in B2B where the logic has to support it, of course, that decisions are ultimately predicated. So we're always selling to the right brain and the left brain, the, the emotion of how this solution will make you feel. And whether that's just the relief of saving all these resources you're wasting a sense of confidence that things are working better. And, but here's all the logical reasons that line that line up with that. Right. And, and of course, stories convey emotion better than anything. We're just wired to, to pick that up from stories. When, you, when you've done it for 30 years, like the other five partners or other four partners and myself, it becomes kind of second nature where you could see something 
and fairly quickly be able to, um, you know, adapt to what we think the storyboard needs to be. Where most of the younger entrepreneurs are half our age and haven't had that, this is their first or second, you know, uh, maybe company they're trying to launch, and they don't, they just haven't had that, that, um, you know, opportunity we've had throughout throughout our careers. So to us, sometimes it seems easy, like wow, why didn't they think of it? But we always have to take a step back and remember when we were, you know, thirty or whatever age it may be. Did we really? We didn't have that experience either. So that, that's why, that's what we can. That's the value that we can bring. And all these diverse companies, I'm sure you've worked with, you know, gives you such a broad depth of experience that you probably internalized these patterns that you then recognize and the, the story a company brings to you, where you see the story within their numbers, or you see the story within their balance sheet or within their trajectory in a way they didn't recognize because they haven't been exposed to that, a similar pattern in so many situations. Exactly. Exactly. So a lot of this kind of recognizing archetypal patterns for lack of a better word and, and what works for that to turn it into something compelling to the marketplace to, recognize opportunities and to communicate to the marketplace, to communicate to your audience, how, what this is going to mean to you, what this is going to do for you in a way that is packaged well. And I'm hearing how you take complex stories and make them simple. So the market resonates with them better. Exactly. These are all things that I know resonate with our audience. These are, these are the kinds of things they look to do. Cause when we talk about thought leadership, I'm really all trying to do thought leadership. We're all trying to lead somebody to new thinking. Otherwise, what's the point in communicating, whether we call it that or not? And and you're doing it on a very large level with True North, with with these advanced companies that are maybe hitting bottlenecks without your help. That you help them open up. It's uh, it's rewarding. We try to find clients that um, we actually have. That we actually like working with. We we want to find clients. I mean, there are a lot of clients out there that come to us, and we just don't feel it's the right fit. And we we want to find clients that um, want to learn. That we find that we have you know uh, you know an intimate relationship with. That want to have us along with the journey, not just a um, you know a three month project oriented project. And ones that typically most of our clients we have had some type of touch point to whether it's first, second, third degree um, of, you know, network over the period of the years. Um, so it's, it's a, we've built a, um, I think a reputation and a client base now that has um, really extended itself throughout the customer experience um, uh, focus area. Well, that's, that's excellent. So organic growth. For the most part, yes. So what do you, what you, you say you look for clients who want a long-term relationship? What else can you say? And I'm thinking about the listener because maybe there's some listeners that might like to talk to you. Uh, what, what, what would let them know that it could possibly be a fit and worth the conversation? Um, well, first they have to have the, um, the desire to want to be able to collaborate and team together. So that's an important attribute. Um, we look for the entrepreneur that, uh, has either an idea or specific solution that we think can really scale throughout multiple verticals and multiple um, uh, geographies. We look for a client that um, uh, 
really focuses on innovation and disruption in terms of um, the market space today. So really thinking out of the box rather than maybe a copycat of a technology. And then ultimately, um, just one that we really enjoy working with. And we have some clients that um, we literally talk to every day. We, we, we um, spend time on video. We actually meet in person. And it's just a really good, healthy relationship. And that's what we're looking for. Excellent. And how would, how would somebody reach you to open up that discussion? Uh, we have um, we, uh, uh, LinkedIn um, or we have our website at truenorthadvisory.us. Um, they uh, can reach out to any of the partners or myself um, via LinkedIn or through, uh, through the website. And I'll be certain, of course, to place those links. So if you, the listener, are listening to this on thoughtleadershipstudio.com, look down the page a little bit. They're right there. If you're listening on an app, there's a link to the episode page, and I'll have Andy's media website, LinkedIn links on that page you can link to from there. Super. We look forward to it. Well, this has been excellent, Andy. I really appreciate your time, and it's, it's been very enlightening. I think your wisdom would be very valuable to those thought leaders out there who are in business looking to bring their innovations to market in a bigger way. Well, Chris, thanks for the time and have a great day. Enjoy Charleston and we look forward to keep in touch. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Andy. Thought Leadership Studio. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Andrew Miller of True North Advisory. I'm your host, Chris McNeil, and I think the value of having someone in a well-rounded consultancy like True North Advisory is for entrepreneurs, for thought leaders like us, to realize it takes a well-rounded approach, it takes a multi-perspective approach to identify blind spots that we all have somewhere or another and make sure we've got a well-rounded approach, a well-rounded team to taking our ideas and harvesting them into profitable market impact. So this has been Thought Leadership Studio, episode number 29. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. If you haven't left a review, please leave a review. If you're listening to this on an app, check out the link on the episode description. It'll take you to the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com where we've got resource links, including to the Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership, a free guide to help you put together the building blocks of your own strategic thought leadership and also a link where I'm currently offering a free 30-minute consultation to help you bring your own thought leadership to life. So if you're working on something along those lines, let's talk. Love to hear about what you're working about. Share ideas. Do a little brainstorming together. Again, this is Chris McNeil. Thanks for listening to Thought Leadership Studio and look forward to seeing you next week. Thought Leadership Studio.